to you this morning. Uh, thank Seth on for the prayer on my behalf. That is my hope that the things that are said this morning are directly from the Word of God and that we can all benefit from those. Um, I also want to say I can't think of a better song for Colton to lead before that. It's going to go very well along with what we're going to talk about this morning. This morning we're going to talk about a partnership in Christ. As many of you know, a couple of months ago I finished up my a, a detailed study of the book of Colossians. And naturally, when you end the book of Colossians, it kind of leads you to the book of Philemon. So we're going to look at that this morning. Now, as we finished that last section in Colossians, uh, one, thing Christ, uh, one thing that Paul talked about was the idea of the Christian family. And we talked a lot about that Christian family, specifically in Rome at the time. Um, when we think about Rome, as we'll talk about, or Colossae at this time, we understand that Rome or Colossae was a part of Rome. So while he's speaking of this, he brings up an interesting thought. And we see that in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 1, where he says, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Initially, again, this seems kind of an odd place for him to go when he's talking about the family. But when you look at the format of the Roman family at the time, part of that household were the bondservants, were the slaves. So again, when you think of Colossae as part of Rome, the people who made up this church grew up in this society. They, this is what they saw on a daily basis where households included bondservants or slaves. And a lot of times that was normal to them. And Paul is, is feeling the need to address it, obviously, as we see in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 1. Now, I do want to say this before we go any further, that because Paul does not directly call for rebellion against slavery, a lot of people look at Paul as a person that condones slavery. Not only that, they look at the Word of God as a book that condones slavery, Many people believe this. They believe that it pushes inequality. But I think just as we read in Colossians 4 and verse 1, that is not the case at all. Paul is not condoning slavery at all. What Paul says here is unheard of at the time. When you think about how slaves or bondservants were viewed in that period of time, you understand that they were viewed as property. They weren't viewed as equal. But what Paul is saying is that masters must treat those bondservants fairly and justly. They must treat them with some kind of equality. Again, he's not condoning slavery. What Paul understands is if he were to call out for an all-out rebellion against Rome at that time, it would have destroyed the church in Rome. That would have been a big problem. And the whole point and what Paul is trying to do, the whole purpose of Paul's life at this point is to spread the gospel. And for him to call out for an open rebellion, he, you're talking about going against the, the largest, strongest army in the world at that time. It would have been futile for him to do that. It would have caused problems. So what Paul decides to do, not that he condones it, what Paul understands is that he needs to go after the individual heart. He needs to allow the word of God to change the hearts of individuals. And when you do that, you change the world. You change society. And that's exactly what Paul 
is trying to do. Now, we look at that, and you might be saying, well, what does this all have to do with Philemon? What's your point? Well, if you look at the end of this book, at the end of Colossians, you see these two books are tied pretty closely together. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place. So as Paul is closing out this book of Colossians, he's saying, I'm sending this letter to you, this this letter to the Colossians, I'm sending it to you with a man named Tychicus, but also a man named Onesimus. And this is the guy we want to focus on a little bit this morning, is this guy named Onesimus. Now, Onesimus, before we go into who he is, we're going to talk about Philemon for a little bit. But I do want us to notice before we move on, here is what Paul considers Onesimus. He considers him a faithful and beloved brother. That's who Onesimus is to Paul, a faithful and beloved brother. Now, not only is the letter to the Colossians traveling with Tychicus and Onesimus, but there's also an individual letter written directly to a man named Philemon. So, We have to understand who Philemon is at this time. And I think we get a good idea of the type of person that Philemon is as we open the book or that letter that was written directly to him from Paul's own words. So in verse 1, Paul says, Paul, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved and fellow worker. So the first thing that we know about Philemon in that first verse is that he is a beloved brother and a fellow worker. He is a Christian. He is somebody who has obeyed the gospel, he is a Christian, and obviously he has a relationship with Paul. Paul goes on in verse 2 and he says, And Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, who many think Aphia is actually his wife, who is also a sister in Christ, and Archippus, many believe, is his son. Again, we don't know that for sure, but indicating that they were probably part of that household, they were going to hear this letter, they had something to do with what was going to be said. But one thing, another thing in that same verse, he says, and the church in your house. So what we also have to understand about Philemon is that he was obviously probably at least a little bit wealthy. He was able to host that congregation in his own house at the time. But there's something else I want to think about this also. While this was directed directed directly to the man Philemon, Obviously, what's going to be said was important for everybody else in that congregation that met at his house. That was important to them. It was something they needed to know. It was probably a mutual problem that many in the congregation had that needed to be taken care of. Paul goes on in verse 3, and he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Again, we see Philemon is a pretty good guy. He's a pretty good guy, and he, he's dedicated to God, and he wants to serve the Lord. If you go a little further into this letter, in Philemon, in verse 19, you see that Paul was probably the one 
who brought Philemon to Christ, who taught him the gospel. In verse 19, Paul says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. He says, I will repay it to say nothing of you owing me even your own self. We can look at that and we can assume that Paul was probably instrumental in bringing Philemon to Christ, to teaching him the gospel at some point. Now, if you think back to our study in Colossians, we remember that Paul had not at this point been to Colossae. He had not visited that church. So again, we don't know the backstory of Philemon, but many assume he was probably met up with Paul at some time, maybe in Ephesus, maybe somewhere else. Again, we don't know. We're not going to speculate But at some point, they had come into contact with each other, and they had built a relationship. And we see that in Philemon 1 and verse 7, where he says, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Philemon was somebody that meant something pretty important to Paul. He was a pretty good guy. But Philemon also owned slaves. And one of those slaves was a man by the name of Onesimus. And when you think back to what we just talked about at the end of Colossians, Onesimus was coming back to Colossae. You see, Philemon was a leader, probably, in that church of Colossae. The congregation, the Colossian congregation met in his home. And he was, the, by Roman law, the owner of of Onesimus by Roman law. So now, before we go too much further, we need to talk a little bit about Onesimus. Now, Onesimus, when obviously we've come to this idea that he is a slave, and we'll read all about that as we go through this letter. But Onesimus was a slave or a bond servant that obviously offended Philemon in some way. And we don't know, again, we don't know the backstory of that, but what we do know is that he offended him and he ran away. Now, Paul, in verse 15, kind of points that out. He says, for this perhaps is why he parted from you for a little while. Now, you've got to understand, Paul and Onesimus are buddies now, and he's not just going to say, he ran away from you. He's going to have a little more tact than that, and he's going to say, well, he parted from you for a little while. So he's this runaway slave. Now, again, we don't know a lot about Onesimus' backstory, but at some point, he made it to Paul. Again, A lot of people believe that maybe he went to Rome to kind of blend in there because it was big and it would be easier for a runaway slave to kind of blend in that area. Maybe he got thrown into prison and came to contact with Paul that way. Again, it's all speculation. Maybe he heard Philemon talk about the goodness of Paul and thought, if anybody can help me, it's Paul. We don't know. But what we do know is that Onesimus came to Paul and he was not a Christian. He did not know Christ. But as he was leaving Paul, guess what? He was a faithful and beloved brother. He changed. He was different. And now when we look at Philemon 1 and verse 11, Paul is saying to Philemon, he says, Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and me. Whereas once he was a runaway slave that was not useful to you, now he is useful to you, to me, and the kingdom of God. He's different. He's changed. But Paul also understands that now they are brothers in Christ. Philemon and Onesimus are now brothers in Christ, and there's 
there's a problem between them. And it's a problem that has to be fixed. It's a problem that has to be solved. So you know what, what Paul does with Onesimus? He sends him back to Philemon, hoping that, that that can be reconciled. Now, as we move on, Paul asks a request of, of Philemon that's unheard of at the time. And in verse 6, I believe he, he lays the groundwork for what he's about to request from Philemon. And in verse 6, Paul says, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Now, I've highlighted this word sharing. And when you look at this word and you look at the Greek, it's the Greek word koinonia. And that word koinonia essentially means the fellowship, the close association between persons emphasizing what is common between them. So that word sharing, if you look at the NIV, it's actually translated as partnership. So it's building a partnership with other people who are in Christ based on the commonality in Jesus Christ. Now, if you remember back to communion last Sunday, Trevor talked about the idea of people in our congregation, we might not have a lot in common with them. I don't know if you remember that or not, but he talked about that. But he said the one thing that we have in common, if we have nothing else in common, is that we have Jesus Christ. We have Christ in our lives. That we were once sinners who needed help, and Christ died for that cause. Christ died so that we could be forgiven of our sins. So essentially what Paul is asking or talking about here is that Philemon would allow his faith to build partnerships with other people in Christ. Essentially what he's trying to say here, what he's trying to get across here. So Paul then goes on to build some more groundwork. And in verse 7, he says, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough to cry in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal for you, my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. So Paul says, I've got a lot of respect for you. We have a relationship. He says, I'm not going to try to use my authority to force you to do what you know is right. I'm hoping that your heart is changed enough that you're going to do what's right because that is the right thing to do because that's what God expects of you. And then he makes that appeal. He says, I'm coming to you on, beha- on behalf of Onesimus, that person who, was your, who is your slave at this time. And again, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Talk about koinonia, right? That's koinonia. That's a relationship that was built on Christ. Onesimus had come to him a sinner, somebody who had offended his slave, who was his, his, his brother, who had offended Philemon, who was Paul's brother. This man's coming to Paul, and Paul doesn't look at him that way. What does Paul look at him as? A person who needs Jesus Christ. And because of that, he was willing to, get, to, to share the gospel with him 
And through that, they had grown a personal bond, a partnership, a koinonia between Paul and Onesimus. Now, Onesimus, again, and Paul had grown very close because of that koinonia, because of Jesus Christ. And they now have that mutual bond in Christ so much that Paul says that he wants to keep him for himself. He wants to keep him with him. He loves this guy that much. And in verse 11, he says, formerly he was useless to you. This makes a little more sense now, doesn't it? Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you. Now listen to this. Sending my very heart. Was it because they liked the same football team? (laughs) Was it because they were roommates? No, it was because of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying that he loves this guy so much. A guy that he hasn't known for that long, but they have built a strong bond. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm sending my very heart. Now listen to this. He says, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. So what he's saying here is, I wanted to keep him with me, but obviously that might cause a problem between Paul and Philemon, right? Because rightfully, under Roman law, in the eyes of Rome, Onesimus is the property of Philemon, And what if Paul were just to say, I'm going to keep Onesimus with me? That might cause a problem. But also, Paul once again says, I'm sending him back because I want you to do the right thing for the right reason. I want you to do what you know is right. Not because I'm making you, but because you know, because your heart has changed, because you know Jesus Christ. I want you to do the right thing. So again, Paul decides to send him back. And in verse 15, we get to the actual appeal. He says, I'm coming to you on behalf of Onesimus. In verse 15, we start to get a more, more of an understanding of exactly what he wants. In verse 15, he says, For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a little while, that you might have him back forever. That's, that's huge. Paul is essentially saying that just maybe he left, maybe he ran away for something more important, important, something, a, a far bigger reason, and that's for him to come back no longer as a slave, but instead as a brother in Christ. Perhaps that's why he left. In verse 16, he says, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? Paul wants, him, wants Philemon to change his view on Onesimus. As we talked about in our, our study of Colossians, slaves in Rome, again, were seen as property. Philemon had probably grown up with this idea in his head that slaves were no more than property to that person. It kind of makes you wonder, I mean, why it took Onesimus going to Paul to, to hear the gospel makes you kind of wonder. Again, Philemon was a Roman. He grew up in that situation. He grew up in that society. This, the fact that, that Onesimus was just his property was something that probably was just in his head. But Paul wants him to understand that no longer can he view 
Onesimus in that master-slave relationship because that's not what's important. What's important now is that they are on equal grounds as brothers in Christ. And he wants him to change his view of Onesimus. And that leads to Paul making an offer to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. In verse 17, we see Paul use another interesting choice of words. In verse 17, he says, So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. So we want to look at this word partner. Now, if you look up at the, at the Greek, it's koinonios, which is essentially the same word as he used in verse 6. So what Paul is doing now is leaning on the partnership, the koinonia between Paul and Philemon to make sure that Onesimus is taken care of. To lean on that relationship that was built through Christ. And I believe Paul had no doubt that Philemon would accept Onesimus back, but he wanted him to take it further. He wants him to receive Onesimus the same way he would receive Paul if Paul were to come. And you think about that relationship. That's a strong relationship. Paul and Philemon have a good relationship. At the end of the book, Paul basically says, what, what I get from that is, he says, I, I want you to prepare a room for me because I'm going to come check up, make sure you're doing the right thing. But Philemon would openly receive Paul if Paul were to come. He would receive him with open arms. He would have a place for him to stay. He would probably give him enough food. He would be taken care of probably better than Philemon himself because that's the type of relationship Paul and Philemon have. And now what, what Paul is asking Philemon to do is that he receive Onesimus in that same way. Think about what that means for just a second. Onesimus is the slave or the property of Philemon according to Roman law. That's how he's viewed him his whole life. Not only that, Philemon has done something to offend him and has ran away. Under Roman law, Paul had every right to throw him in prison. Paul had every right to have him beaten severely, possibly even killed for what he had done. And yet Paul is saying, I want you to accept him back like you would accept me. I want you to forget about that stuff. I want you to understand that that's not your relationship anymore. Your relationship is now the fact that you are brothers in Christ. Everything has changed. Possibly even freeing him from slavery and accepting him as a brother. And then we see Paul take it even further. In verse 18, he says, If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of you owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit of you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Paul kind of changes his tune there a little bit. He says, he says, if Onesimus owes you anything, I want you to charge that to my account. I'm gonna take care of that. And Paul goes from this idea of, I want you to do it because your heart's in the right place to, you kind of owe me for this. I'm calling, I'm calling this one in. But what we understand here is that Paul was willing to do whatever it took to make sure that that koinonia built, was built between Philemon and Onesimus. 
a relationship that would have never probably happened if Onesimus had never come to Christ. Again, you have two people, total ends of the spectrum when it comes to Roman society. And yet Paul is saying, I am going to take that debt on my shoulders. I'm going to pay for that. And that shows you the koinonia between Paul and Onesimus, that partnership between Paul and Onesimus, that bond that was built, that Paul was willing to stick his neck out on the line for for Onesimus himself. He became the mediator between the two, hoping that that relationship could be reconciled. And that's essentially the purpose of what Paul is trying to get across here. This is why he's writing this personal letter to this man named Philemon, who is his brother and his friend. And looking back at this story, we can plainly see that there is brotherhood in Christ, that those bonds can be built even if you have no other, not, nothing in common with somebody. You can have in common the idea that you were a sinner, that Christ died on the cross for you, that he shed his blood on the cross so that you could be forgiven of your sins and you stand forgiven when you obey that gospel. And that's, that is a bond that's stronger than any worldly bond we can make with anybody. We see it here in this room today. We see the bonds that we have between our brothers and sisters in Christ in this room today, not because we have so much in common, but because we have a commonality in Christ. Now, I think of our nation, and I think about how divided our nation is today. How people still look down on people for whatever reason. Maybe it's because of the color of our skin. Maybe it's because the social status that we hold. Maybe it's because of something we've done wrong in the past. These things tend to divide us. And we tend to try to look in this direction of trying to vote people in politically to make these changes. A lot of people turn to violence to fix the ills of our society. But when we do that, that just causes that rift to grow even wider and deeper. And yet people look at the word of God and they say that it promotes things like slavery, racism, hate. But the book of Philemon shows it's not about that at all. The book of Philemon shows that we are all on equal ground when it comes to Jesus Christ. The book of Philemon shows that we are all sinners. The book of Philemon shows that we all need forgiveness of that sin and that through that sin, that sin can be forgiven through Jesus Christ. Think about what Paul is doing in this letter. Again, the Roman society was built on slavery at the time. It was built and ran. Many people, I've read several things. I've I've heard that one-third of the population of Rome were slaves or bond servants. I've heard that over 50% were. The society was built and ran on slavery. And in the eyes of Roman law, these people were no more than property. In the eyes of Roman law, Onesimus was no more than somebody's property. I don't think it's any coincidence that Paul in Colossians 4 and verse 1 says, treat your bondservants justly and fairly. Why? Knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Knowing that there's one God and he's my master. 
knowing that there's one God and he's also your master. Knowing we're all equal in that idea. And no longer does worldly status, no longer does, the, does race, no longer does our economic status or what we've done wrong in this life define who we are. We are instead all given the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins through Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 10, 3 and verse 10, again, he's saying, and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We, when we obey the gospel, we put on a new self and no longer do we have a worldly perspective. Because I'm gonna tell you, worldly perspective is what causes the problems in our society. When we put on, the, on Christ, when we are in Christ, we no longer have that, that perspective. Our perspective changes and we are in Christ. And that's how we should see and that's how we should live our lives and that's how we should make our decisions. You see, it's not about the color of your skin. It's nothing about our physical. It's nothing about what we've done wrong in the past. In Romans chapter two, Paul gives a good example of this. Paul is pointing out that the Jews were condemning the Gentiles for things that they were doing themselves. And it wasn't, the Jews weren't condemning them because they were doing these things. Let's be honest, they were doing it because they were Gentiles. They were doing it because the Jews did not see them as equals. But what Paul says is it doesn't matter. If you don't obey the gospel, guess what? It doesn't matter who you are. You're going to suffer the consequences of that. On the other hand, if you're willing to submit to God, it does not matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter anything about who you are physically. What matters is you're willing to submit to God. And because of that, we all have equal opportunity to come to Christ and obey the gospel. Romans 2.11, he says, for God does not show favoritism. It doesn't matter to God. And that's exactly what we see in this book. It didn't matter to God if Philemon was a wealthy Colossian. And it didn't matter to God if Onesimus was a slave. What mattered is that they both needed Jesus Christ. And that put them on equal ground. And because of that, because they were both willing to submit to God, they were able to build that koinonia. They were able to build that brotherhood, that partnership that we've talked about this morning. See, God just wants us to be saved. And it doesn't matter who we are. Paul talks about this again in the book of Colossians. This must have been an issue. He says, here there is not Greek and Jew, uncircumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. It's all about Jesus Christ. That's what matters. That's what's important. But you know, Paul didn't stop there. When, he, when he's talking about the brotherhood between Philemon and Onesimus, you also see that Paul believes he's on equal ground with Onesimus also. Paul, an apostle, guess what? Still needed Jesus Christ. Still needed forgiveness of his sins. Onesimus, a slave, still needed forgiveness of his sins. You want to solve problems in our world today? Bring people to Christ. Let people know about the brotherhood that you can have in Jesus Christ the relationships you can build in Jesus Christ. And, that, and that, that's the answer. There's a, this divide on so many different things. 
The only way to bridge that gap is through Jesus Christ. The only way to build strong relationships is through Jesus Christ. And we must take that same approach as Paul, one soul at a time. One soul at a time. We need to be out there bringing as many people to Christ as we can. And when we do that, guess what? We can build koinonia with them. When they obey the gospel, we can build that bond based on Jesus Christ. And when that happens, guess what happens to the church? When we build strong relationships within this church, within this building, guess what happens to the church? It gets stronger. And when we have a strong church, guess what happens in our community? We bring others to Christ, and the community gets stronger. And when we have a strong community, guess what happens? You see that snowball effect. It all starts with us understanding the value of a soul. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26, Jesus tells, you, tells us the value of a soul. He says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Jesus understands the value of a soul here. And we look at this, and rightly so, we look at this and we think, what am I going to give up? What am I going to do in my life that's going to cause me to forfeit my soul because it's not worth it, right? I could gain the whole world, and it's still not worth it. I've still lost. I see my soul as valued to God here when I read that. But do I ever consider that that's not just written to me? Do I ever consider that that is written to every other soul that walks the face of this earth today? A soul is a valuable thing, and it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. None of that matters. What matters is that God sees value in us. He saw enough value in us that he was willing to send his son to die on the cross. Do we see that same value in other people? Do we see that kind of value in others? Paul put that kind of value on a slave. The slave came to him. Paul could have said, I want nothing to do with you because of who you are, because how you offended my friend, Philemon. Is that what he did? No, he saw the value of Onesimus' soul, and you know what he did? He taught him Jesus Christ. He taught him the gospel. And because of that, because he was willing to teach him the gospel, we see that that koinonia grew between Paul and Onesimus. Enough that he was willing to go to Philemon on behalf. And I have no doubt that Philemon and Onesimus built that same kind of partnership, that same kind of love. Because that's what it's all about. It's all about that koinonia. The life of a Christian has no room to look down on anybody for any reason. It, it doesn't fit in the life of a Christian. We can't think that we're somehow better than anyone else for any reason because we understand that value of a soul. We understand that we are sinners. We understand that we need Jesus Christ. But I think one of the most impactful things that we read in this letter is Paul's example. His example of how he 
went to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. Out of all of Paul's letters, this is the only letter that never mentions the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Never mentions the death, burial, and resurrection. It never mentions the gospel. But you know what? Paul showed an example of that in his actions. You see, you have Onesimus, who has been separated from his master, who really has no hope. But Paul comes and he says, I'm willing to take his debt on my shoulders. I'm willing to pay that debt for him so that relationship can be reconciled. Don't you think that was pretty familiar to Philemon at the time? Because you have to understand, Philemon came to Paul when he first knew Paul. He, he didn't know Christ. He was separated from his master. But the blood of Christ reconciled that relationship. It made a difference. De Philemon could definitely relate to this. And that same offer applies to us this morning. We need the blood of Jesus Christ. Our sin has separated us from God, and we need that reconciliation. We need that propitiation for our sin, and Christ is just that. Christ offered himself for that. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 16, he says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we come regarded, we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All, uh, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We needed Jesus Christ. And so does every other soul that we come into contact with. Are we out there spreading that gospel? Because guess what? When we do that, again, we bring people to Christ and we find commonality. We find what's common between us. Even if we have nothing in common with them, we have Jesus Christ. And it's really all about our perspective. When we view ourselves and others through a worldly perspective, we see other people a lot of times as lower than we are. We look down on other people, even in the church. And that, that prevents us from developing those partnerships, that, that mutual bond in Jesus Christ. But when we have a spiritual perspective, we see everyone on equal ground under the cross. We see everyone with the understanding that we are all sinners, that we all need Jesus Christ. And through his blood, we can have access to the forgiveness of our sins. And because of that, everyone can be forgiven of our sin. All of us can become a child of God. And if we're important enough in the eyes of God that he would send his son to die on the cross for us, we need to value the souls of everyone else around us and go out and spread the word so that we can build that koinonia. You see, if Paul had never brought Onesimus and taught him the gospel, those relationships would have never been built. Those opportunities would never be provided. And if we're out there spreading the word, bringing people in, we can build those relationships. We can bring that koinonia between other people. And again, 
When we build strong relationships here, we build a strong church. When we build a strong church, we build a strong community. When we build a strong community, we build a strong nation because we allow the word of God to change hearts. And if you're here this morning and you've never obeyed the gospel, you have that opportunity this morning. You have an opportunity to be a part of that, to start building that koinonia with each person in this room, to start building that mutual bond on Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're here and you're struggling. Something's going on in your life, whatever it is. That's what koinonia is all about. It's all about us working together, being there for each other in good times and bad, praying for each other, doing what we can to support and uplift each other. We're here to help. If you need the help of the church this morning, come to the front as we stand and sing.